The Block Talk podcast started because of my passion for the property management industry. I wanted to start a conversation and add some value within the industry with a diverse range of people and professionals who can add something extra. As we start out, my aim is that the podcast offers some useful insight into a variety of views, opinions, thoughts, and foresights from our guests who include business leaders and industry experts. If you enjoy the podcast and want to find out any other information, head on over to brianwelsh.co.uk. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Block Talk podcast. This week we are having a special episode with um, some members of the team in CPL. Um, so I'm joined by Will uh, McAmoyle, our technical director, Crawford Burns, our professional services director, and Jack Bruce, who looks after all things marketing. Um, so, guys, how are we doing? Yeah, good. All good. Yeah. Yeah, really good. Thank you. Excellent, excellent. And I'm glad Jack's decided to hit record on this take. So that's a really good one as well. Okay, so so we normally we normally send out a quarterly newsletter to our clients um talking about what we've been up to and, and these sort of things. But uh today we thought we would do a podcast on the subjects as well. So um so that um, um we get a bigger reach and if anyone else is interested in what we're up been up to or what we think of certain things, then they can listen to this. So first topic of the day is team news. Um, so PMAS conference has just passed. We we were lead sponsors for the Property Management Association Scotland conference that was held in the studio quite recently in Glasgow. Uh, so Crawford, you were I wasn't there. You were you and Will were there, but you can you can pick this one up. Do you want to talk about what happened at the conference? Yeah, uh, Brian. Uh, first first conference since uh, two thousand and nineteen. So it was really good, really good to actually get to see. Our, our collective client base um, all in the same place at the same time. Some really, really good engaging conversations, I think. Lot, really nice to see, actually, lots of people from within the sector talking away to each other, lots of good shared ideas. Um, we brought Charlotte up for the for the conference, so she had just uh, just recently passed her probation, so it was really nice to get to introduce her to all of the clients that she tends to talk to on the phone. Um, clearly, you, you and I get the opportunity to see people on fairly regular in the face-to-face spaces. But uh, first time, Will had been up for a wee while and, and uh, got to say hello to some of the, the faces that we'd, uh, we'd seen before. Good, good conference, really interesting conference. A couple of really good speakers. Um, Kyle Murtaugh did a really cracking bit around uh, presentation skills, uh, and then there was a lady who talked about um, carrying around your stress bucket. A, girl, a lady called Jin. It was really, really interesting about some of the ideas as to how you can unburden the stresses in your work environment on a day-to-day basis. So, uh, good day. I mean, really good day. Um, and then at the end, Alison McDermott came across just as the exhibitors were all getting ready to kind of um, close everything off. And Alison had said that the PMES felt they did a successful conference and were very much looking forward to uh, 2023. So, yeah, good day all around. Good. Good. Excellent. So another thing to talk about, we have, for the first time in a long time, we're all going to get together as a company and we're going to have, well, it's, it's been called the away day, but it's kind of a company conference. So that is towards the end of November um, and we're all going to, so I suppose it would be useful to explain. So CPL used to have an office in Glasgow and Southampton um, and that's where everyone went to work. Um, now 
we're pretty much all remote and we've actually employed a number of people who cannot get to any of those offices. So we've got people based in Birmingham, we've got people based in North London, we've got people based in Harrogate. So um, we, we, whilst, you know, at the end of the day, um, is, is remote working the same as being in an office together? No, it is absolutely not. Um, in my opinion, anyway, you, I think I don't think you can innovate and as well as you can if you're together. However, you know, if you want good talent, you, you need to you need to go and find them. And sometimes they don't live um, where your offices are. So um, so we will continue to have a, a portion of our business that's remote. So um, that being the case, we're all going to have to get together on a, a more regular basis. So we're having a company conference and. Um, in Manchester at the end of November, which I'm really looking forward to because there are still people within this organization who have been with us for many, 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 many months who I have never met face to face. So um, I'm really looking forward to that. Anyone else got anything they want to pitch in on our away day? Uh, one of the things, sorry, to, well, I kind of jumped in there. I was just going to say one of the things that was actually brought up on the um, question session uh, just pre lunch at the, the PMES conference was actually about people's. Uh, working um, uh, working practices since COVID uh, and how hybrid working is, has very much become a focus inside um, not not just our sector but pretty much across across every sector uh, and it kind of prompted a, prompted a bit of a chat around how people felt it actually been um, working for them as as a business so there was some some really positive feedback certainly from the people that were on the panel so. Uh, James and Amy were there from um, from Indigo Swan, and also Andrew Bilmer was there. So, uh, a lot of the chat was around the hybrid working thing. seems seems to actually be uh, to be working uh, pretty pretty positively for for a lot of um, a lot of businesses, not just inside our sector. Good, cool. Well, what were you going to say? Uh, yeah, just just more about back to the our uh, our conference that um, you know the point of people working remotely uh, and that it's going to be the first time we've actually met face to face. I'm really looking forward to that. And also uh, it's going to be good to get to know, um, get to speak to our team in a non-work environment, get to know another side of them really. And uh, yeah, looking forward to a chance for us to sort of kick back and relax after, you know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, a really good year where we've sort of, we've put in a lot of hard work. So it'd be nice to have a bit of a, it has been that as well. Yeah, yeah. Good, good. Um, so yeah, I guess nobody's doing an Elon Musk soon then, and and just telling everyone they need to be back working forty days, forty hours a week, or they don't got a job yet. So not as yet, anyway. Okay, cool. Okay. So the next, the next thing, uh, the next. Oh, oh, I'm not sure if anyone heard that. The dog is barking, so he may be. He's in the other room. I've locked my study door, but um, but he's like. So, um, so the other thing to talk about is, or next subject is EBS. Now, this is something that was actually our a guy in Insight who talked about this a lot, and um, it's something that we then discussed internally. So, EBS stands for Equal Business Stature. So, um, what what it's all about is an equal amount of respect in a business relationship, and a and a um, and and I guess a business. Um, transaction supplier supplier customer and i i feel very strongly about this because you know if someone asks us to come and demonstrate our software to them and someone um asks us to provide them with costings and things like that to then not respond and not 
give feedback when asked, I, I actually find very disrespectful. And and in fact, and but you've got to turn it around the other way as well. The we need to make sure that we do that with other people as well. So I'm, now I'm not talking about unsolicited emails that come in and it, you get a stroppy fifth email to say, this is the last time I'm going to email you because you've not responded. I mean, I didn't ask you to respond to send me an email. I'm not talking about these sort of things. because, But I, but I am talking about, you know, where, where people have given some time and effort to you because you have requested it and then they um, they don't come back with it. They don't come back, don't come back to you. And And even also when you get into a, um, a situation where you're you're providing a service to someone, um, you know, having that common um, goal that everyone is fighting or not fighting, but everyone is is pushing towards to get to. There's got to be um, an equal amount of um, effort in that to make sure you get to that goal. Uh, and in fact, I found myself failing on EBS recently. Um, someone had someone had contacted me. It was a recruiter actually had contacted me um, and asked me if I if I wanted to have a look at a couple of CVs. And it wasn't in this business; it was in another business. And it was sales CVs. And I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Send me send me them over. I'll have a look at them. So he says, oh, we don't have terms um, um, with you at the moment. So can we sort that out? So we sorted that out. Um, and then he sent me over the CVs, and I didn't respond to him. He phoned me on email about three times. And I was like, you know, that's not right. I can't expect people. I can't expect people to do it with me if I'm not willing to do it with them. You've got to, you've got to, you've got to walk the walk, yeah, um, and not just talk the talk. So, so I, I had a conversation with them and said, look, you know, um, okay, thank you for sending them. You know, I told you at the beginning that we didn't actually have any jobs. I just wanted to see the CVs, see what talent was out there, um, and we agreed to speak in a month's time. So. Um, so at the end of the day, I'm not wasting his time anymore sending me a whole load of stuff or co- trying to contact me when that is the case. But but it but it happens so often, and I and and, and I don't think there's any place for it. You know, there is some common courtesy in, in business. So um, that is my view on it. Anyone else got a view on it on here? Yeah, I think I was you, waiting for Will to talk there. You're quite. Yeah, I was making sure we didn't have the same thing. Um, yeah, uh, I think it's a. Uh, it's one of those things where if you're sort of running your own business, you have a lot of uh, priorities and potentially getting back to that person to just say not interested or not right now is maybe something you really don't have time for. Um, but if everybody sort of embraced that a bit more and just sort of took the time to do that, then, you know, we'd all feel the, the benefit from that because it certainly happens to us as well. On the other, we, yeah. we, like you say, we're guilty of, of doing it and also we, we, we get the sort of, the sore end of it as well so uh yes definitely something worth, worth considering just for a better uh environment for everybody really just a bit of, it makes everything go a bit smoother yeah no i totally agree totally agree crawford anything dad no I, the only thing the only thing i would say is i just think that um at the outset at the outset of of any project if you actually have that agreement in place between customer and, and provider then everybody should it should never come as a surprise to anybody then when we you know when we're looking for commitment for somebody to do yeah. things yeah. against a particular time scale or a time frame or we're looking for responses you know because that's 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 what we're all in nobody wants anything to fail everybody wants things to succeed yeah. and the only way to do that properly is if everybody's committed to what your what yeah. your end game is yeah i mean the one thing the one the one 
place where I always, I, I hear this all the time is people who write websites for, for a living. You know, someone can create you the most fantastic website ever. And the thing that normally delays it is the actual person buying the website, um, not providing content. Yeah, always, always, you know, the, the you speak to web developers um, the world over and they'll say, what's your biggest challenge? Getting content to put in a website. Yeah, so, okay, cool. Right, next subject, CPL2 um, and the new update process. Um, and also um, about, about CPL3. So, Will, uh, I, I will defer to you on this. So you you just fire away. Tell us what's going on. Sure, yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, CPL2 with uh, 2.59, uh, which has uh, been our, our sort of major version for quite a while now. Um, but we've changed our... Uh, We've changed our deployment process so um it's going from a much more so we had the same process for about i think 10 years um which uh which was fine and we, we were very well versed in it and we we had our process but um we've uh, had a look at it and decided that it can be improved so we are now um rolling out updates using a different process which is going to be a much more robust um, and it sort of looks at the system as a whole rather than just a kind of transactional update um, so that's going to give us a lot more robust robustness. It's also going to make sure that all of our implementations are exactly how they should be. And um, because we have many clients, we're often doing bespoke config. And um, as, as a, a lot of our users will no doubt know, there's hundreds of maybe even getting into a thousand different configurations you can have set up in CPL. So this just makes sure that every system has everything it should. And, and, Leading on from that, it's going to mean that we can um, deploy a lot quicker as well. Um, okay. uh, so there's another benefit there, and that goes hand in hand with how we are now uh, going to be um, deploying our releases. So whereas before we had quite a sort of a long wait between each release, and each release was quite large with a lot of features in it, we're now going to be able to have much smaller releases with more um, more specific features in there usually around a theme um, that we can uh, release on a much more frequent um, uh, schedule. So whereas before it might have been every quarter, now we're sort of going to be sort of every three weeks, a month, um, more, more of that kind of scale. Uh, and that's going to mean that we can turn around sort of client requests a lot quicker. So um, if uh, we're asked to, to do something that's really, you know, amazing and going to help a lot of people out, we can get that out to our clients a lot quicker and we don't have to wait for um, the whole sort of quarterly uh, development process to, to be completed. And also on top of that, it means that, you know, if there are any issues that do do come up in, the, in a live environment, we can get those fixed and uh, resolved a lot quicker and without, um, without as much risk as well. Uh, so um, we're just starting to roll that out uh, now. Um, so uh, it's going to be quite a, a slow process to start with as it's new to us we want to make sure we don't go too fast and that we're not going to um, give ourselves uh, more than uh, more issues than that we can deal with and um, we just want to make sure that every single implementation goes off perfectly um, okay. and then once we get more experience with that we'll be um, deploying the yeah, updates really really frequently uh, so that's that's the big change with CPL2 um, I suppose the other thing to mention is that our development team has changed since um, the beginning of the year. Uh, we've employed some some new talent, and they are 
fitting in great. Um, they've really started to learn the system now, and that's really showing in their the throughput of the development. So we are getting features out, some of them in sort of almost half the time we'd usually do it. So um, that, that, that's great. And that's just come down to sort of the new processes we've introduced, also the kind of the communication within um, the team itself, um, getting used to remote working, having better processes there, but also just the, it's the talent of the team. It's it's, uh, it's really good and something I'm really, really proud of at the moment. Uh, so moving on to, to uh, CPR3, our, our new web-based product, which is going to be cloud-hosted. Um, we have an another team of developers which have been working really hard on that. Um, we've, uh, when we were designing it, we wanted it to be all-encompassing and make sure that we sort of covered every aspect of CPR and made sure that you know we're not going to have any uh, any holes there in terms of functionality and, and users being able to, to just sort of seamlessly use it along with the current CPL2 product. So we've done a lot of um, research into how our overall architecture should work and um, to allow okay. us to host CPL3 in the cloud on a web, but also have uh, your on-premise CPL2 work alongside that. So there's going to be a lot of integration which should be relatively seamless to the user. So you could be in your, your CPL product and then in, in, in the one that you know your desktop product cpl2 and then you might have a call to use one of our new features um, and that will then take you to the lovely new web-based product um, where all your data is there with the new features and you can use that and vice versa you might need to do something back in cpl2 and you'll be able to jump straight back into that um, okay. so that's still in quite an early stage in a minute and um, we are getting to the final um uh into the final milestones for sort of having a kind of uh, a 1.0 um, release which will be our kind of base framework and then we have a, a, a long list of really exciting features we want to add into that um, and yeah we'll be starting to work on those in the new year and then um, it will be ready for release in uh, 2023 which um, is really exciting and I'm sure that uh, a lot of people are gonna gonna really enjoy and uh, working with it and using it and I think it's going to be like a breath of fresh air for for CPL as well and um, bringing us right into the into the you know, modern bleeding edge of technology. Good excellent are we actually going to call it CPL3 or was that a kind of that's a kind of project name at the moment isn't it? I think yeah I think that's still up for debate um CPL3 is becoming more and more ingrained though so <laughs> it's trying to find something I think that we like in the customers will kind of relate to as well um but yeah i, I i'm totally up for a, a, a lovely new name <laughs> yeah there used to be a, a, a my um business partner and insight um he used to uh, work for a company who had two products called esprit and vantage okay and so you you, you don't need to be a genius to work out that they're both cars one was a lotus and one was an aston martin and then their new web-based product they built had a code name of Uno. Uh, and, and I don't know if you ever remember a Fiat Uno. Um, but, yeah, it wasn't exactly in the league of Advantage or Esprit. So I think that was – I'm, I'm pretty sure that was a project name that then just stuck. So, uh, so yeah, you got to be careful with these things. Um, anyway, okay, cool, cool, excellent. Thanks for that. Um, Crawford, anything to add? 
No, I'm, I'm the only the only thing I that I guess I, I'm, I say no, and then I say yeah. There's, here's a little load of stuff. Like that. <laughs> um, what, what I was going to say was that uh, I, I think um, I think the the idea and the concept behind making a version of CPL browser based, particularly for those people that are on site. So the development managers, I think everything that's kind of client related, to make that web based, I, I think is a real game changer. Because it does it does allow you know the, the application to become portable so that that information literally can be taken on site. Which I mean, yeah. when we talk about things like um, dashboards and stuff, then it yeah. does mean that the property managers or the development managers, the CRMs, whatever whatever you choose to call them, will have that that information from CPL literally in the palm of their hand before they go on site for their AGMs and for their business associations. Being so, yeah. I think that will be really really helpful for for. Pretty much every every single one of our clients. Yeah, for for client facing for client facing, it's it's, it, it, it's a it's a must, isn't it? And you know, and, and the beauty is, you know, I mean, most people or a lot of people they'll develop a a new product and they'll spend five years doing it, and then they'll release it, and they'll have forgotten, you know, twenty percent of the product that they were trying to replace. So the way we are doing it, in that we're giving specific features in in CPL three. Um, um, but 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 allowing that to talk to the same infrastructure as, as the current products there means you can have the best of both worlds. You can provide that client-facing stuff very very quickly, um, and then over time migrate things from the um, from the current CPL two. The great thing about CPL two is, and 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 okay, it may be written in in um, in technology that's well, not, it's not older technology. It's maybe maybe looked at because it's not browser-based, it's older. At the end of the day, it's a Windows application. It can talk to stuff in the cloud if you want to talk to stuff in the cloud. You know, those technologically ways you can you can provide um, good solutions with that product, but it just seems that people want browser-based. Do you know what I mean? I mean, and if you were to ask the question why, they possibly won't even be able to answer it, you know? So actually, are they are they asking the right question? Are they saying, I want browser? Or are they saying, I want cloud? Do you know what I mean? But as long as you can bring the solutions to them and allow them to do their job the most effective way, then, you know, that's that's the that's the game changer. And, and you know, CPL are not all about, we don't sell software, we sell solutions, yeah? So, so it's that that we need to we need to to always remember. Okay, cool. Thank you. Right. So next next subject. This is uh, is housing associations. So so and and specifically, I guess um, maybe in Scotland for us at the moment. Um, so we've had all we've we've always had a number of housing associations on our on our books. Um, like I I guess you would say the more forward thinking ones because they could see that they needed something specific to look after their factoring. So and, and the difficulty for the difficulty for a housing association is that housing management systems do a raft of stuff, right? Um, you know, they it, it runs a housing um, a housing association, not something that we would touch in any way, shape or form. But then the minute you get a block or 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 or, a, or an estate or whatever you want to call it, that has one person who owns a property rather than being owned by the housing association, then you're into a situation where you have to have factoring, yeah? Because factoring is a profit-making um, um, activity. Um, so you kind of need to think about that slightly differently. And, um, uh, and, 
housing management, I mean, you know, you can listen to whatever blurb you want. Housing management systems don't do factoring very well. I mean, housing management systems built in England will probably do service charge, which is very English-based and probably budgeted. And even if it's a Scottish-based housing association, their focus is, sorry, Scottish-based housing management software plan. Their focus is housing management. And housing management is a huge amount of, of, um, of, of functionality. So there's no way in this earth they could provide the level of functionality for factoring that a, um, that a, 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 a factoring or a specific product for that market would um, would um, would be able to 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 provide to users. And in fact, and, and what prompted this conversation in this 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 um, or in our quarterly newsletter and also in this in this podcast is I don't know how many. Um, leads we've had in over the last, or inquiries, let's not call them leads, let's call them inquiries, um, we've had in in the last um, in the last kind of two months from housing associations, but it's gone exponentially higher. So I don't know if there's a housing management system that's, we haven't managed to get to the bottom of it yet, I don't know if there's a housing management system that's specifically been end of life and therefore people are looking at new ones and then going well actually how do we deal with factoring now um, I don't know the reason for this but there's certainly a huge amount of unhappiness um, in that market and and I guess the other problem and, and, and this happens a lot I mean CPL I, I can't remember I, I'll get this stat wrong but but hopefully I'll get it close enough there's about 650,000 factor properties in Scotland, it's probably more now. Okay, so let's just let's just. I don't want anyone arguing that it's six hundred and eighty or anything, but it, but it's about. Let's call it six fifty. And we do the one stat I do know is we do about three hundred and sixty, three hundred and seventy thousand units on our on our on our um, software. Okay, so and that's the majority of the private sector in Scotland, at least. Um, and when you when you when you have that, and you've and we're very client driven from a software perspective, so so when you've got that and you've got all of this great information over the years and you've built it into a product, and you've got a whole lot of property managers who are using that, then a property manager ups and goes work for a housing association. You sit there going, whoa whoa whoa, what's what about over here? You know, you've got all this great stuff here, housing management. Well, what about over here for factoring? Because there's there's no way a housing management system can have the level of functionality that you would have for for that specific product. So it's been really interesting over the last actually couple of couple of weeks and couple of months to look at all those inquiries that have come in and and go and talk to these people and listen to their challenges as well. So um, so I think that's one for the future. I mean, certainly a big focus for for us at the moment is how we can help um, um, how we can help housing associations and what I guess one of the challenges is people everyone wants a, an all singing all dancing one solution product for their 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 business you know they don't want to necessarily have things that talk to each other but if you don't want to do that then you're gonna have to accept that what you've got is not as good as what you could have if you were to to um, be open to integration, and we've we, we've done a huge amount of work recently with a with a client um, to do a lot of integration with 
um, third-party products that they use within their organization. And, and, you know, to my mind, get the best solution for your business and get the best solution for your team as well. Because there's another thing, keeping people, keeping talent at the moment is not easy. You know, there's a lot of opportunity. And, okay, I get two couple of years ago, we went through what people called the, the great resignation. And then recently, I think, I don't know if this is, I wrote an article on this recently, actually, um, very much American, but they're calling it the great regret because, because you know, we're, I think people were probably coming into a point or a recession where people are being made redundant. They'd probably rather have been with a company for a bit more time than having just just made it there. So, but 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 you've got to think about your your talent as well. If you bring someone on board who's who's had a fairly straightforward life from a from a technology point of view in the firm that they used to work for they come work for you and your systems are not good you're not going to keep them for long because they're going to want to go and go back to you you're adding coming back to your stress cup yeah you're adding a level of stress in there that does not need to be there for a property manager and hell property management's not an easy gig at the best of time in fact we're doing a podcast quite soon Jax, you will have to come off mute and tell me about this. It's with Malcolm Perriman of the Property Institute and um, Zoe from a recruitment agency. Right. Yeah, so, um, so you know, there's there's a huge, huge amount of um, of pot, of of reasons that the HAs that do a lot of factoring should 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 look for specific products that look after factoring. Okay, sales pitch over, but uh, I did sound a wee bit like that when I was getting into it. But I do get very passionate about these things, and, and hell, you know, um, of course I do. You know. Anyone got any other points on HAs they want to chat about? Uh, I was gonna I was gonna say, Brian, just to, to come back to a couple of things that you'd mentioned. Uh, one of the one of the things that seems to come up really quite consistently with housing associations when we get the, the chance to sit uh, in front of them and just have a chat around what their challenges are, uh, are, are around their invoice and billing process. So yeah. so whereas we've got that really centralised inside CPL and literally once you've got all your you know your, your charge codes and stuff all set up, it, it, it is a really smooth process whether whether you're sending out 600 or 60,000 invoices. Um, but you know, some of the some of the conversations have just been really, really um, enlightening. Maybe I don't know if that's the right word, but it's been really interesting to hear how long it takes of, um, a housing association to run their billing process. Uh, and when I say five days has been quoted to run a month's worth of billing, then five days is the, the types of thing that they're talking about, which um, is just incredible. Uh, I actually had a couple of conversations with people where. Uh, and, and this came up. This came up on, on a couple of different occasions, where the apportionment charges for the factor properties are done on an Excel spreadsheet. Yeah, yeah. Because the, the housing, housing management system it couldn't work it out properly. Therefore, the, the, the factoring team had lost confidence on that on that being able to do it properly for them. So that they had reverted to an Excel spreadsheet to work out what their apportionment shares were as part of their billing process. So they were doing that external to any system, creating all that in Excel and then going to finance and telling the, telling finance what numbers needed to be plugged into the housing management system. Just you know, and the other thing is as well, that the, 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 the follow on from that is if you have a sale, 
Oh, you know, your 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 you know, it's it's that that calculation is going to be outrageous yes, as well. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I do I do get it. I do get it. And you know, if you get it wrong, FTT time. You know, so so uh, you know, I, I can understand it. I think the challenge for me is housing associations. You know, and I I see this a lot, right? So um, I um, I used to be I used to be um, uh, on this thing called is it called next door where communities kind of talk and things like that. I don't know if any of you guys have come across it but I, when I lived in the West End of Glasgow I had this right and and lots of people can ask lots of questions and to be fair you get your your usual round of rubbish in it but but and one of the one of the things that kept coming up was the um questions about uh, this is my factor I'm not happy can anyone suggest a new one and this was mainly tenemental stuff yeah and and every single one of these got posted there were at least five comments to go go to this housing association because the thing that you got to understand is that housing associations don't just manage their own stock they they create an enterprise company to deal with this stuff so they therefore take on um non-housing association work as well so they could just have six you could have a tenement um or a, or a block of flats somewhere that or in fact anything that that is this is private so it's not as if they're just servicing um you know blocks that are pepper potted with um rsl flats and and um or rsl um, um homes and private homes so so when you get to that stage and you cannot provide the same level of of user journey through technology that a that a private factor can because they bought a specific factoring product, then you know that that's when you start losing business. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, interesting, interesting, and and yeah, I mean, Crawford, you and I have had this chat a number of times um, about the challenges that you're coming up against with housing associations. So, I think that's going to be a. a I mean, you know, you know, we always um, love getting involved in these sort of things to try and provide solutions. So I think it's going to be a big thing for us over the next few months or a few years. So. Yeah, I think, okay. be, I, think be, I think it'll be quite interesting to see if that, uh, what the kind of topics around those things, those types of things maybe come up at the, the SFHA conference in December. Yeah, yeah, the factoring one, yeah. The factoring one, yeah, as you see, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think you and I should definitely go to that. Yeah, okay, cool, right. Uh, okay, next one. Blockworks update. Right. Will, you're going to kick off with us, then Crawford's going to have something as well, right? Or was yeah, it the other yeah. way around? Yeah. We'll do, it, we'll, 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 do it the other, we'll do it the other way around, because I can do present and then Will can do future. Uh, so, get, yeah, good idea. Yeah. Yes, that's a yeah. fabulous uh, idea. So we've just, we've just uh, literally in the last two weeks, we've just uh, put out a new release of Blockworks. A um, couple, of, couple of nice new features that have been added to that, which... Uh, we had been the, we, the guys have been working on for a wee while. Uh, one of them is notifications. So the, the contractors or your contractor users, as, as I call them, contractors from a factors perspective, uh, really now have the ability to be able to switch on notifications for uh, both their app and also for their client portal for. Uh, new jobs that are created for them, new estimates that are sent through and code requests. So they've, they've literally got the ability now to be able to tailor very specifically what sort of notifications they get from Lockworks. So essentially, if you are a person that's involved in delivering the uh, quotes inside your business, then you can you can say, that's the only thing I want to receive notifications from, from okay. Lockworks on, ticket, 
uh, say you want to get it on the app or on your desktop, either or both if you choose, but if you get it, you get it uh, ticked for the app and then literally you'll get a nice little pop-up that lets you know when you've got a quote request that has come through from one of the property management companies, which means you can then respond to that in a more, uh, more promptly. Or if you've got it switched on for um, for the desktop, then it comes through as an email notification. So it just, it, I think, I think what it, I think what it helps to do is it helps the contractors um, get real quick visibility of stuff that they're being requested directly from the yeah. management companies. Um, and one of the things, I mean, one of the things that we've we've talked about um, with regards to block quirks, um, you know, going forward is that. Um, that you know we will be able to look at performance and response times and all this kind of stuff, so that um, you know so that the property management companies have got these and that that uh, certainly the notifications will really help the contractors with that. So that's one thing, and the other the other really I, I, I mean I'm going to call it a cool feature. I quite like using the term despite my age. Um, uh, we've now got we've now got shared documentation inside Blockworks, but we've got it. Uh, designed in a manner so that you can pick and choose which property management companies that you want to upload the documentation to. So uh, an example of that may well be that if you have got a public liability insurance certificate and you want to share that with all of the property management companies that uh, are using Blockworks, then you have the ability to make it public. So you just tick the box that says public. And what, what then happens is every block management company or property management company that you are linked to will automatically get a copy of that document uploaded into CPL with the expiry details and the value and a copy of it itself. You can review it and simply authorise it. So once it's, once it's authorised, that then sits inside CPL, CPL. For them, when it comes to a point when it's due to be renewed, the contractor gets notification to let them know that it's coming up for its expiry. So that's one part of it. The other part of it is if you've been requested to upload a very specific piece of documentation. So it might be that you're doing, as a contractor, you're doing a, um, a very specialised piece of work, or it might be that one of your um, property management companies has asked you for training records for your uh, for your guys. Uh, and if that's the case, then you can actually upload the documentation but literally say it only wants to, it only has to be visible for a particular client. Okay. Cool. So, so what that does do is if a client, if a client comes to you um, and you've got the documentation available, you can literally say, yep, I only want it to be seen by this client. And similarly to the, the public documentation records, just at the time when it's getting ready to expire, what work starts to send you notifications so that you've got those reminders. So what it should do, hopefully, um, is stop things like public liability insurance and employee liability insurance and that sort of thing expiring and then the, the property management companies having to chase the contractors for it. Instead, the contractors should be, should get notifications ahead of time uh, and hopefully that will cut down one in the amount of time and effort that it takes people to, to actually go through that whole process. Um, but two, it should also help minimise the number of documents which are out of date. Good. So that, that literally came out the last two weeks. And then next release, hopefully we're going to have planned sometime early part of 2023, which I, which I think will give us a bit of an update on, on that one. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, the next big update coming in uh, January. Um, so we've, uh, well, part, part of uh, 
the functionality in Blockworks is that the contractors can upload their, their invoices once they've completed the work. Um, and uh, at the moment, that's quite uh, a manual process. The contractors need to enter in the amounts for like the uh, the work and the breakdown as well. Um, so we've been working on uh, a, a module that will take a copy of your PDF and then um, pick up the values off of that automatically using OCR software, which um, uh, we've uh, got there to assist the, the user's input. So the uh, users will be able to upload a, a template of their invoice, tell Blockworks where all the important bits are, and then um, when they come to upload their invoices, rather than do one at a time, they'll be able to, at least at first, be a, they'll be able to upload batches of up to 25 invoices. Blockworks will go through all those automatically. It will um, pull out all the values that it, it needs, such as dates, uh, amounts, VAT, uh, job numbers, so that it can link it to the correct piece of work. Um, and then it will display all of this to a user which will massively assist the input time. So rather than having to do one at a time, they'll be able to do a full batch. And in um, the most cases, that will be a case of just clicking a couple of buttons and the whole batch will be posted off into Blockworks. Um, so that's been uh, that's been something really, uh, really interesting for us to work on because it's um, very new to us. It also means uh, that we've had to test an awful lot of invoices. So we've had... Uh, invoices in all sorts of shapes and sizes and uh, we've had a lot of decent uh, examples through from um, Sarah who's our, our uh, admin, uh, admin person she's been um, giving us all sorts of uh, different fonts different sizes different colors and uh, yeah, it's just been quite interesting to see how some of those are interpreted but um, we've gone back through um, iteration after iteration and it's just getting better and better so we're really looking forward to getting that out um, and we're hoping that it's going to massively speed up the time it takes for users to, to upload their invoices and also improve the, the accuracy of them as well. Excellent. Good. Yeah, I'll look forward to that. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. If we can get that out early part of next year, that'd be brilliant as well. Okay. Yeah. Well, to be fair, it's available in demo at the moment, isn't it? So, um, That's right, and, yeah. And in, yeah, just just and almost, almost ready for release. Okay. Cool, cool. Right. Anything to add, anyone to that, Crawford? No, I just as as well says, Brian. Really looking forward to the uh, to the the, the the new release that will allow the, the guys to be able to to read their uh, their invoices for them. So that should help speed up the process massively. Cool. All right. Good. Good. Right. So last subject is to talk about this, isn't it? The Block Talk podcast, <laughs> which I've thoroughly enjoyed doing over the last um year or so i think it's been brilliant fun we've interviewed some phenomenal people and Jax is going to kind of give us a bit of a summary aren't Jax? Um, indeed yes um a year and two months it's wow. been going now so um yeah i'm just looking at the stats at the moment we are almost at 2000 downloads since we published um Excellent. so 1969 so hopefully this Client castle edges closer to that two thousand, if not get us to there. Um, and it's it's been on a steady. The graph is the lines are going up, so I'm happy as the the friends episode goes. Um, yeah, the, over time it's just 
it just keeps going up and up. So, um, and we've got a steady, we seem to have a steady listenership now as well. And we actually have one episode, which is almost at 100 listens. Does anybody Don't tell us who it was. I was going to say, does anyone guess? Um, no. <laughs> the, name, the name that shall not be mentioned. <laughs> Oh, no, no, no. it's no, not him, no. it's not him, it's not him. It's another David. Who was it? David Doran. Is it 99 listens? Wow, fabulous. Yeah. And yeah, then Christian, Christian Bruce is hot on his hot on his um, tails at 95 and David Reed is just one behind on 94, so. Yeah, and he listens to himself every night, though. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we've, it's it's been a challenge um, to try and maintain the, I suppose, the mix of guests and keeping it up to date. Um, but it's been a good challenge. I'm really enjoying it. It's the first time I've ever done anything like this. You know, podcasts are obviously quite a new thing in the last few years, so um, it's it's been a big learning curve for me as well, so I've really enjoyed it. And we've had loads of um, interesting talks from across um, across a number of um, different sectors within the industry as well, which has been really good. Um, and we're the last couple that we've had, um, to Ross Watt, who was our first kind of different Scottish accent, I suppose you could say, um, <laughs> is from the north. So um, we generally have a lot of people on from when it's when it's property management um, focused um, from from property factors is is really across the central belt. So it was nice to have Ross on from up in Aberdeen um, to give us a perspective from up there. Um, Brian, you did your leadership one, which was really interesting. We had our first ever roundtable discussion. Um, so we had two, uh, one after the other. We had Derek McDonald and Alan Draper talking about EV charging points and the challenges yep. that that presents within the industry. And then we had um, an excellent discussion for anyone that's not yet listened to that between Hardeep, Devsey, David Reed and Chris Ashurst and Brian um, around the ongoing cladding remediation. So in case anyone's wondering, I'm sitting looking at my, my spreadsheet. That's why my eyes are looking up the way. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then uh, guests to take us to the end of the year. Um, we've got Kyle Murta um, Crawford, I think you mentioned at the start. Kyle spoke at the recent uh, PMAS conference. He's a motivational speaker. Um, and I think he'll provide some really good information and advice to everyone um, on how better to cope with um, the everyday challenges that can often be faced in property factoring offices and how to embody more confidence and and speaking to people as well. Um, And then we finish off the year with a teaser. We're actually recording this episode in December, but it will go out, um, the full episode won't go out until January. Um, And it's going to be another sort of roundtable discussion between, I think we spoke about it earlier as well, Malcolm Perriman and Zoe from a recruitment agency. Zoe spoke at the Armour conference earlier this year. Um, Well, actually just a couple of months ago, wasn't it, Brian? You were at it. Um, so that's going to be on the challenges that the industry is facing around recruitment and um, what steps potentially need to be taken there. So I think it's actually, from speaking to Malcolm and Zoe, quite an early stage um, issue that has just only really starting to receive the 
attention that it deserves. So we're we're um, pleased to be able to get involved in that discussion and to hopefully help bring more awareness to it as well. So um, yeah, and then we're going to be having a meeting next month to discuss our guest calendar for 2023. So if anyone's listened to this, if you have any suggestions or if you yourself want to come on and have something to talk about that you think will be interesting for everyone, then please do drop marketing at cplsoftware.com an email and we'll take that on board. Um, if I've got time, we might do an outtakes for the end of the year. <laughs> no, no, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of Jack, Jack, uh, Jack spends many hours making me sound good by, by getting rid of all my mistakes. So. If we don't do an outtake, then I might do a best of. So, yeah, it depends. Yeah. I think that could be quite a quite a task to do all that, to go through everything. But um, if I've got time, I, I, it might be quite a nice thing to do to showcase um, yeah. everyone yeah. that's been on the podcast this year. Yeah, good. Excellent. Right. Thanks, Jax. Does any, right, before we wrap up, does anyone have anything else they want to pitch in at this point? So. No. Good. Right. Thank you very much, guys, for coming on and helping with this. And, um, yeah, thanks for everyone who's listening. Cheers.